Hello and welcome to Blockchain Gaming World, episode 7, Doesn't Time Fly. I'm your host, John Jordan, and joining me this week is Gareth Jenkins, blockchain gaming expert extraordinaire. Hello, how are you doing? so awesome. Oh, did, you, did you get that? I'll do it again. <laughs> You're too quick. Thanks. Good. So, so Gareth, we last time we met, we were out in uh, Leon at um, a blockchain game summit. Um, we're now back, kind of going to chat about some of the week's news in the blockchain gaming world. Quite a lot been going on. Always a lot going on, but some interesting kind of um, trends. I think we're going to we're going to discuss. So, um, just kind of a, a quick bit of news before we kind of get onto the deeper stuff. So, it's interesting um, last night that um, BitGuild uh, launched its kind of chat. Uh, it's called no Guild Chat app. So this is a mobile um, uh, kind of messaging kind of system uh, now live on Android and uh, iOS. And you basically go in and there's kind of you can set up your friends list and chat and stuff. And it being a, they being a blockchain uh, game company, there is kind of wallets and stuff in there. Um, and what's really interesting, it's kind of been news been kind of been bubbling under for a while. Um, that um, BitGuild, uh, BitGuild is getting into Tron. So Tron is one of the um, big blockchains out there. I have to say, I don't know very much about it. We're going to discuss that a little bit um, later. Um, but uh, they, they've, is it called, they have validator node or just node? I can't remember. I can't remember exactly how Tron node, what the technology is. What, what, what is it? It's I a, believe it's validator node. A validator node. So they've basically using their hardware now. They got voted in to becoming one of the, of many there are Tron validator nodes. And it means they basically mined, mined Tron and now they're basically giving it out to people in this guild chat. So it launched last night and it was hilarious because they kept saying, when we get to like 100 people, we'll, we'll do an airdrop of Tron. Um, and so obviously it was just filling up really quickly. And so basically it was like kind of some sort of 4th of July rich man <laughs> from, from the top of a tower throwing throwing money to people and everyone was pressing. And if you didn't get the airdrop, everyone was really angry. And um, I got one Tron, which is worth three cents. So that was worth something. Um, but <laughs> it was a very odd experience, I have to say. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure uh, the guild chat will will find some sort of um, utility using the term that we like to use um, later on. But anyway, um, so um, Tron. So this is interesting. I don't know very much about Tron. I have to say. Um, I guess uh, Gareth, you're the you're the blockchain expert. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, I kind of know a little bit about Ethereum because that's where everyone is at the moment. Um, but are we kind of seeing now a a um, a move away from from what has been the kind of standard blockchain, not just for gaming, but the standard blockchain kind of platform for running apps and games on. Yeah, I guess so to some extent. I mean, I think Tron. The easiest way of classifying it is that it's a it's an all out replacement for something like Ethereum. It's not intended to to sit alongside it or on top of it. It's a it's a it's a completely different approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's obviously a few of those. Um, that none of them really have any kind of stability or maturity yet, so they, they don't really get considered as, on the same level as Ethereum or Bitcoin or whatever. Um, but they claim to solve all of the problems and provide performance and scale and all those kinds of things. Um, but it's a bit risky. You know, you, you're kind of picking things that haven't really been tested. Um, but outside of people using those other types of networks, I think there's also quite obviously a shift to people using a combination of different types of technologies. Um, so whether that's things sitting alongside Ethereum, uh, even something sitting alongside and on top of Bitcoin still. So there's, there's quite a few. Oh, is that still things? Still, Bitcoin is. There's a few is, little things. Is, is alive around. from that point of view. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a few things kicking around, um, and I, I mean, I think that's just a legacy thing where people have sort of migrated out through through various different things. I mean, there's interesting projects using Bitcoin Cash. I'm not sure of any that are in the in the gaming space specifically, yeah. but um, you know, there's a there's a bunch of different stuff there. But it's it, it. I think it's quite obvious that that's the route that we would end up going down anyway um i think until there's a an all all-round solution that we could build anything on top of uh, which i think is unlikely and even if it is likely it's it's going to be a long way off uh, i think it makes a lot of sense um 
I think what's interesting is the, the difference between uh, those different approaches. So you've got things like uh, Loom, for example, which is is taking the the kind of route that Ethereum's going in regard to sidechains and things like that, and sort of building that out and being involved in that and doing things early on and putting that alongside uh, ongoing development on Ethereum. Um, and then you've got other people who are doing completely different things. Uh, so like our approach for the things we're doing is we, we use Ethereum for payments, but then we, we have Delox, which does all of the ownership bits, and we kind of bridge the two, and that, that works really well for us. Um, yeah. but, but that's quite specific. And I think there's there's other there's going to be other examples where people say, okay, this is the thing that I'm looking to achieve, so this is the way I'll do it. I'll take this particular uh, set of technologies and combine them together. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely so, a shift yeah. away from from just saying, let's just build on Ethereum or build on whatever. Mm. It's almost, I guess, like a, a like a slightly like a building block or a kind of Lego approach, isn't it? Where obviously, you know, Ethereum is the has has the biggest develop the biggest developer community and is the most stability and, and and I guess market cap for, for tokens and kind of stuff. So and performs, you know, still fairly well for, for the, the basic, you know, using it as a payment method or, or, or a, a transactional um, kind of network. But obviously, um, not really designed for doing particularly high speed transactions so if you want to put everything you know no it's interesting I mean, ac- yeah academically it kind of is it just isn't there yet <laughs> and that's i mean the, the the efforts led by the ethereum foundation to to scale the network and those kinds of things are, are all pretty valid and that, that stuff will happen it's just going to take a very long time because they have a quite pure view on saying this this will work in a decentralized way and it will be managed accordingly in terms of its development and, and that kind of development um, takes a long time. So that, that's going to be some way off. Um, but it's quite exciting to watch that happen whilst you've got all these other things happen alongside it. It, it maybe fosters a bit more uh, innovation and, and, and uh, thinking around that. And if you compared it to what happened with Bitcoin over the last sort of four or five years, Bitcoin was in the same position four years ago. Uh, there were issues of scale and so on and so forth. And what happened was a, a lot of political infighting and very little actual technical progress. Uh, no, mm, mm. Uh, whereas Ethereum's kind of got this, it, it, it seems to be quite different. You've, there's obviously the slow progress at the core, but you've got all of these cool, exciting projects around that. Mm. And I guess um, the, t- the phrase that's kind of thrown around um, a little bit um, is this kind of kind of, uh, is it kind of layer two or level two, isn't it? Um, yeah. And so stuff like, because we're talking, so, so we're kind of a, is it layer, layer or level? Layer, yeah. Layer. So layer one is basically a blockchain like Ethereum. Yeah. Um, and then layer two is kind of stuff that's operating on that in this kind of side chain or off chain mechanic. And you, you kind of mentioned Loom. I guess they're probably the, the, the best known at the moment, aren't they? Um, and, and they're making a game, um, which I've been playing actually, um, although it's not on the blockchain yet. So it's a slightly odd experience. Um, the, the zombie battleground, which is very much like a Hearthstone kind of thing. Um, there's a few others interesting. So there's one called Tenfold, which is um, uh, kind of doing a similar thing. Um, and POA, um, just have the proof of authority, isn't it? But I think the company's called POA as well. Um, and they're all kind of doing roughly the same sort of thing. I'm not technical enough to know exactly what they're doing that's that much different. Yeah, yeah I mean, there isn't, I don't know. <laughs> they're all broadly similar, I think. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting about Loom is that they're taking, um, as we were saying a second ago, they're kind of taking the same or a similar direction to what the Ethereum core is, is doing. Mm. So they're really like heavily involved in Plasma and things like that. And they've got one of the biggest examples of that implemented. So um, their, their sort of ongoing development is, is, is aligned with 
where the Ethereum network's going, mm-hmm. uh, which I think also um, it, it addresses another issue, and you kind of touched on it a moment ago, which is that because Ethereum's been used for tokens so much that there's a there's a skew towards it simply because that's where a lot of people have transacted their tokens at various different points. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of this really comes down to what you're if you're building out on top of a token based model and that you kind of end up with that as a bit of a sort of default starting point. Um, there aren't that many people who've uh, done tokens outside of Ethereum. There's obviously lots of people who've done them on Ethereum and moved them elsewhere, but there's, yeah. it's still kind of that starting point for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess kind of the other um, kind of big competitor at the moment to, to, to Ethereum is, is EOS. Again, I'm not technical enough to know very much about it. Um, at least it's got its main net up. Um, I don't know quite how, how robust it is, isn't it? Problems at launch. <laughs> Um, yeah. From a technical perspective, you got any views on, on, on EOS? I think technically it's interesting. I, I don't currently put it in the same category as uh, things like Ethereum and Bitcoin and the sort of more established uh, blockchains. Um, they've taken a very different view on saying, here's how we see things like scale and performance working. And I think there are some inherent compromises in doing that. Um, but for a lot of people, those compromises are probably acceptable. It really depends what you're looking to achieve. And I think with uh, that's why the Ethereum and games thing is a bit of a, an odd mix, because although a lot of blockchain games are trying to do things like player ownership and those kinds of things, they're not necessarily looking for the same absolute level of security and stability that you would require if you were doing a financial application or a supply mm. chain app or whatever. Um, and they're also not necessarily looking for the same ex- to the same extent at uh, decentralized um, in infrastructure things. They're, they're saying, okay, here's a thing that we made centrally and, and putting it out there. So actually, there may be it may be that other networks, EOS included, are, are a better fit for that. But they're, they're certainly nowhere near as as mature. And I think if you're coming at it from the perspective of uh, a developer, whether that's from games or anywhere else, um, even Ethereum looks quite immature when you when you're used to doing software development with other tools. Um, like the environment's constantly moving, the tools that are available are pretty, um, pretty basic in terms of how they're delivered in regards to documentation and support and things like that. Uh, and some of the ecosystem that sits around them is is, is frankly just not that easy to use. No. So um, even if you're coming at it and looking at the more uh, conventional things like Ethereum, you, you're still in a position of saying, "Hey, this is actually quite uh, this is quite a minefield to figure out technically." Um, so to then make that make that jump into into other networks is, I think, a it's a couple of steps beyond having said that most people who are building apps on blockchain uh, at the moment are people who are kind of into that space and involved in it because there aren't that many examples of people uh, who are coming from somewhere else and saying okay let's just do this on the blockchain for whatever other reason yeah i mean there are as well a few um kind of people who are kind of i guess for want of a better description are kind of looking to to do uh trying to create a blockchain for games i guess as as you kind of say if you were gonna you wouldn't necessarily choose ethereum as as a blockchain system to make games on it happens to be that's the one that kind of is the easiest to make games on so that's kind of why everyone's using it um um so the zaya um is is kind of one that's um we know a little bit about um and obviously kind of you as, as a as a blockchain game developer have been kind of effectively building your own as well so what's the difference in approach if you if you come at it from just i want to make a game and then i want this you know as you say a a, a an infrastructure that gives me the best advantages without necessarily ha- having this kind of pure decentralized kind of um philosophy yeah it's it's interesting actually because the zyron uh the guys behind zyron and, and myself are kind of 
our history is somewhat similar. We started off doing this at a similar time uh, when everything was Bitcoin, um, and we went through the whole uh, let's build on Bitcoin and then realize that you know it doesn't scale, it won't scale. And by the time you got to the point of realizing that it wouldn't scale for applications, Ethereum was also in the same sort of category. So uh, a lot of uh, my thinking behind that has been centered around how do I make sure that I'm using something that allows me to build what I want to build. Um, so I kind of took the approach of saying, well, I've got a, a design for how I'd want to store the data. I actually wrote a protocol years ago to do this called Bitbind, which was based on Bitcoin, uh, or run on top of Bitcoin. Um, and I, I liked that model, so I kind of wanted to pursue that. But there wasn't a um, there wasn't a blockchain that that would run on directly that would have these uh, that would remove these scale issues and things like that. Um, so I kind of set about doing Dlocks with a, a very much a well, someone will probably build this somewhere along the way, but just in case they don't, I better do this myself. <laughs> and at, at the moment, I'm still kind of in that position. So uh, yeah, that's that's where Dlocks came from, and that's that's there to support the various different deckbound projects and Luna mines and all that kind of stuff. Um, and maybe something comes along and, and Bitbind shifts to run on top of that, but maybe Dlocks actually works quite well, and if other people want to use that, that's great. But at the kind of core at the moment for for me in terms of what deckbound is doing is is making making those games and delivering against that vision of blockchain games that I said about doing so many years ago. Um, and I think Zaya is interesting because they've, they've kind of taken the same approach, only they're doing it at a let's build a blockchain that other people can use to do that with. Yeah, it's very much like a middleware type approach. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and those guys are pretty good at that. They they understand what they're doing. And uh, there's some similarities between our various different efforts. So we we both take a very sort of data-centric approach to things, um, which I think comes from this philosophy of thinking about games as data as opposed to uh, as pre-programmed contracts or Mm. uh, structures and things like that. Um, and that, that's where things like Ethereum really stands out as being a, a problem for a lot of things in that if you're, if you take the approach of saying, okay, I'm going to build everything in smart contracts, it's quite difficult to actually map that to how games are made and how they're, how they're run. There are interesting things you can do. And this is some cool examples of games that are built just entirely in smart contracts, but you can't really use that to build out, uh, the kind of video games that we're maybe more used to coming from the games industry. Mm. Um, but you could take the data for those games and say, okay, what if that existed on a blockchain? So that, that's really where those projects sort of sit. Um, and then things like, uh, things like Loom is quite interesting because they, they split that up a little bit and they've got, uh, they've got data and they've got, um, the actual execution of game logic all separated out into different side chains. Mm. Um, but that's uh, the underpinning of that is the assumption that people want to build with tokens and smart contracts, and they've kind of just divided those things up to try and make them work more efficiently. Yeah. And I, I guess that, there's that kind of, I guess the kind of sh- shaping the games um, to the technology is, is very much um, kind of the situation where we have a lot of card-based games at the moment, because um, that's because a card is very much like a to- really a tokenized kind of thing. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's quite a good uh, mapping to take a, a, a card and, and have a token that represents it. It's, it's like an obvious, well, to, to me, it seems like a very obvious mapping. Um, the, the problem is most most uh, interesting card games, uh, trading card games and uh, collectible card games and so on and so forth are actually quite deep games that have got yes. quite a lot of uh, design effort that's been applied to them. So you don't necessarily get those experiences just by tokenizing them. And, and I mean, that's exactly the experience that we had with Deckbound Heroes. We kind of 
started with card games because it seemed like such an obvious thing to do. Uh, created an awesome model for doing cards and leveling and all these kind of cool things. Um, but then in the process, we were because we came from a video game background, we designed a, a full-on trading card game with this this massive sort of competitive multiplayer component to it, uh, which we spent years building and still isn't finished. It's, just <laughs> going, on, it's going on in the background, and we, we will we'll get that to where we want it to be at some point in the future. But it's um, it's yeah, it's quite a challenge to to do both those things at the same time. And actually, that was kind of how we got onto doing Lunar Mind stuff because we said, actually, there's, there, we need something a little bit more direct in terms of uh, an explanation of what we think a blockchain game is, because the, the card thing, all that really solves, is saying, okay, this is what how you would represent ownership of items in a game. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's, exactly. That's just because people understand ownership of cards, whether it's physical or digital. Um, it doesn't necessarily get you any other interesting blockchain benefits. No, no, no. And, um, yeah. I, 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 I'm not someone who's a big kind of um, kind of trading card kind of player, so I can you know I've, I've had a I've played Hearthstone you know a, a little bit. Um, I can kind of understand um, the kind of basics and, and, and the depth, but but I never get to, to that stage. And it's kind of interesting actually in the Blockchain Game Summit in Lee on the um, uh, I think it was the CTO from Blockade Games who are doing a, a Neo District Neon District. Um, I think originally they were going to do. Their game is an RPG was very much going to be card based, and then they talked to a few people, and they basically said, "Well, it's really, really hard to do a card based RPG um, to make it interesting." And then they basically kind of they say, "I can't." They still have the cards, I think, but they basically change it to a to a more a standard RPG because they just realise you're kind of limiting your market, which would be interesting because I think um, I guess the, one of the most anticipated games in blockchain games at the moment is, is Gods Unchained, which is. A card, <laughs> card, card, <game>. card based <laughs> esports game. Um, so I guess maybe the esports element will give people enough incentive to really get deep into the um, what we call it, kind of I don't know, the elder gameplay or something like that. But equally, that, those, those guys <laughs> I don't think are game developers. I think they're they're a bit like a originally were a design agency, weren't they? Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Like, I don't want to make any assumptions until you know there's a game out there that you can go and play. But I think people maybe misjudge a little bit the amount of effort that goes into high level play on those games, and it, it's kind of fundamentally based on this on this idea of balance. And I, I think it's easy to look at that externally and say, oh, we can improve that by sticking it on the blockchain, or we can we can do that just by putting some art and some cards and saying this is what they do. But actually, there aren't that many examples of very successful competitive card games. Mm. Um, and the ones that do exist have been in development for years and have been very well refined and often are built by studios that uh, have done that many times before. So it's it, it's a bit of a, a bit of a gamble, but it'll be exciting to see what happens. And often, kind of think that the danger as well is, and I think this is a wider kind of issue for blockchain games, um, particularly around ownership, is the idea that um, particularly with pre-sales, because you, pre-sales you're obviously buying stuff ahead of the game, and you're buying stuff at a valuation that developers set. You have no idea whether the whether the, there'll be an audience to support that valuation, let alone you know, mean you can sell that card at a higher level kind of later on. And obviously with God's Unchained, they've sold whatever they've sold, you know, millions of dollars worth of cards um, without any game there, without, you know, obviously with, I guess, the assumption for some people that, it's, that it, will be, it will be a speculative kind of item, um, which is really, you know, it's very, so I guess spe- speculative is right, but some people, maybe some people think it's an investment. Um, but until there's some, and even if, even if the game... You know, it was a really well designed game until unless you can get an audience that make that because it's got the esports element. Unless you have like you know an audience of people who are regularly playing it, then you know scarcity itself doesn't make something valuable. It's the, the scarcity plus the community. 
Yeah, and, and I mean, the scarcity itself comes as a product of some organic thing. It's not like it's very hard to contrive that. Like you could actually have some reason why the things are useful in the first place. So yeah. you, the, the, problem, the problem with people speculating on, on the value of those things in advance uh, is that uh, you, you could actually get it wrong and you could the, the, the things that are financially valuable could be useless in the game. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't do both things. I mean, you could end up with a situation where there are highly sought-after cards that aren't necessarily the ones that are most often used in gameplay, but mm. um, I think what people really are expecting is that those two things are, are aligned. Good. Well, we've hit the uh, 20 minute stage. I think that's probably enough of, of, of me pretending I know about blockchain and <laughs> <laughs> listening to you. Um, so uh, thank you very much for your time, Gareth. I think no worries that's at a all. Good overview of, of what's, what's going on. Um, and uh, thank you very much um, for listening. Uh, don't forget to subscribe. Um, so every week we are bringing you um, the news from the blockchain gaming world and um, every so often kind of special editions as well. So, so please do subscribe. Um, but other than that, thank you, Gareth. And uh, thank you, listeners. Hope to see you again soon.